This is Tuesday Night Teaching. I want to thank everyone for coming on in. Please tell everyone we are here. We are live. We are here on this wonderful Tuesday. I am so excited to be with all of you on tonight. I am so elated that we have this time to share and to impart into the last words that Jesus has spoken after the resurrection. Let us now take a moment to pray. I believe that prayer is beautiful. Prayer is something that we need in the times that we live in today. We don't pray because things are bad. We don't pray because things are looking shaky. We pray because that is our communication with the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just say thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for this wonderful time, God, of teaching, this wonderful time of learning and listening to you, God. And Lord, as we're in this moment, God, speak to us, God. Lord, give us something that we've never heard before. Give us something fresh for your people. And Lord, even right now, as I'm teaching God, speak through me, speak to me right now. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for everything you're doing, God. And Lord, even right now, God, as we're here in this moment, we give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We give it all to you. You're worthy of the glory. You're worthy of the honor. We worship you. We praise you because you deserve all worship. You deserve all praise. You deserve all honor. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' name I pray. And people of God say, Amen. People of God say, Amen. Well, we're not going to belabor the time. I want to dive right into last week's lesson. And then I want to also continue to our finale of this message today. Last week, if you haven't watched or if you haven't caught the replay, last week we started a series on the last words of Jesus after the resurrection. We are commonly used to seven last words that are spoken at the cross, but uh, we are now engaging in this words that were spoken after the resurrection. In these words, we hear Jesus giving instruction, impartation, and importance in this time. He's speaking after raising on that Sunday morning. This is a post-resurrection series. This is not a pre-resurrection, but a post-resurrection series. Now, tonight I want to go back to John chapter 20. Last week, we were teaching on verse 15 to verse 17. Now, what I want to do for your consideration is I want to go down to verse 19. I want to read from verse 19 to verses 24. All right, so I'm going to be reading from John chapter 20. Verses 19 to 24. I'm going to be reading out of the New Revised Standard Version. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. 
Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Last verse. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus had came. I want to read the next verse. So when the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord, he said to them, unless I see the marks in his nails and his hands and put his finger in the mark of the nails and hand aside, I will not believe. I want to jump back to verse 19 again. When he said, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. For tonight's lesson, I want to teach from the subject, a peaceful resurrection. Something simple, a peaceful resurrection. Or if I can use for another subject, it would say a peaceful revival. When we think of the resurrection of the Lord, when we think of the message of Resurrection Sunday, or some would say Easter Sunday, I am reminded of an author that I read several years ago. I remember I was going to a conference in Orlando, Florida with pastors and leaders from all over the world. And we went to this bookstore and one of the pastors that were riding in the car with me and Bishop Bishop Sharon, he recommended an author to me that I began to read. I remember Bishop was reading this author, but he also recommended a book for me to read. And the author of that book was N.T. Wright. He is a, a he is a bishop. He is a theologian. He is a New Testament theologian and scholar. His writings are very powerful. He he has so many books on Jesus and the Gospels and even Pauline. He has these amazing books on the Apostle Paul. He said something that was very powerful about the message. Of resurrection. N.T. Wright once said, The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ and that you're now invited to belong to it. I want to say that quote again. The message of Easter is that God's new world has been unveiled in Jesus Christ. And that you now belong to it. When I think of this, we realize that resurrection opened a door. 
And as we realize it opened the door, we realize that something went in and something came out. Well, if I can backtrack, I want to go back to what I taught last week. When we look at the power of Jesus Christ, the power of Jesus Christ is so powerful that he was able to create heavens and earths. His power was able to do things that no person in history can ever do. When we think of Jesus Christ, our mind should go in a cycle of so many things that we have to rewind and look back at what he has done for us. When we as Christian believers think about Jesus Christ, we don't think of Jesus as just a regular person, but we think of Jesus as the amazing God that he is. I was telling someone, I said, Jesus Christ is the only one that can get the job done without showing his resume. When we look at the power of God, his power surpasses all other earthly powers that we see. Every single politician has no power like Jesus Christ. Every political office has no power like Jesus Christ. No bank has more wealth than Jesus Christ. No people have more strength than Jesus Christ. Why? Because he is our God. When we look at the life of Jesus, it is a very beautiful life that we can look at. We understand that in the New Testament, when we look at it from Matthew's perspective, I'm going somewhere with this. When we look at Matthew's perspective, Jesus came from a genealogy. First, it started with Abraham. Then after that was David. And then after that was Babylonian. And then after that came Mary and then Jesus, his genealogy from Matthew's perspective. Before that, no prophet spoke for 400 years. So Jesus come now as the fulfillment of the promise that was given to Abraham, given to Isaac, given to Jacob. As Jesus now comes, he's on the scene. His mission statement is in John chapter 1. It's in Matthew chapter 1. You shall call his name Jesus. He shall save you from your sin. That was his message. His focus was to save, to be our savior. When we come to that, we realize that Jesus comes and he heals the sick. He raises the dead. He opens blind eyes. He does all those amazing things, which is beautiful. And we thank God that he did that. When we look at that, when we come now to John's gospel, the gospel of John, the gospel of John shows us that he is the God in flesh. John 1, 1 says, in the beginning was the word and the word was God and the word was with God. When we look at with God, we realize that Jesus was in Genesis when it said in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The same God that created the heavens and the earth is now the God now that comes in flesh. He comes as the embodiment. He comes as the God man, son of God, son of man. Now he's here and he begins to perform a miracle. His first miracle is with Mary when she says the wine has run out. And she says to have a conversation. He says to her, he says, woman, my hour has not come yet. As he says that, 
he begins to realize that there are people in need of water being turned into wine. God can take something and then turn it into something else. That's how powerful he is. He takes the water of Palestinian and turn it and maneuver it into wine. No camera tricks, no distractions, no distractions. He takes it and turns it into something. When we look at that, we go now to John chapter 3. In John chapter 3, he comes and he has a conversation with Nicodemus and says, You must be born again. Then after that, he goes and hears John 3.16. We can quote that scripture even while looking at the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That is in John chapter 3. Then we come to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, he heals the nobleman's son. He has a conversation with the woman at the well. Then in John chapter 5, he talks to a man and asks him a question, do you want to be made whole? After that, he begins to tell the man, take up your bed and walk. Then in John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000. We see miracles and miracles and miracles and miracles. Then we get to the I am statements. The first one was I am the bread of life. He's the one that fills us, sustains us, fills us up. Not only is he the bread of life, but he's also the one that feeds us and he nourishes our soul. Then we get to John chapter 8 verse 12. He says, I am the light of the world. In the midst of all the darkness, he is our light. In the midst of all the trouble, he is the light that guides us, that helps us along the way. When we look at the life of Jesus, he looks and gives I am statements. Then we come now to him being prepared for resurrection. Before we get to resurrection, there is something that he goes to call crucifixion. After he goes to, before he goes to that, he goes to a garden. This is not a beautiful garden of lilies and, and, and beautiful roses and, and all of those daffodils and all those things. But this garden is a dark place. I have a question for you. How many of you been in a garden? How many of you been in a place where it feels the pressures of life is squeezing and pulling and breaking on you. Jesus is now at the Garden of Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane, when you read it in the concordance or when you read it in the biblical definition, it means olive press. Now, when we look at flowers, when we look at perfume. That means that flowers were supposed to be crushed. When we look at juice in our refrigerator, that means that fruits had to be squeezed. When we look at diamonds, that means that coals had to be squeezed into diamonds. But when we come to oil, that means that olives had to be crushed. We realize that God has to crush us so oil can flow. The question I have for you is, are you ready for God to crush you so all you can flow? Because we have a lot of people with big titles, but they only have little anointing. We have people who want to be in the high places, but they don't know they have to go through low moments. 
I suggest to you, ladies and gentlemen, is that no matter how high you go in life, there are some moments where you're going to be low. Because all of us love mountaintop experiences. All of us love to be at the high place. But there are moments where we have to go through the valley. Many of us don't want to preach about the valley. Many of us don't want to talk about the valley. But before you get to that mountaintop, there is a valley that you have to go through. There is a valley that you have to fall through and you have to fight through. You have to pull through and maneuver through. Why? Because that's a part of our Christian journey. He has to go through a valley. We all have to go through a valley. But the good news is that God is right there. Because, yea, I walk through the valley. You see, my rod and my staff, they comfort me. You see, even when I'm going through it, I know that God will give comfort in the midst of the crucifixion and the pain. He will be right there. So Jesus is going through the garden. He's feeling his, the body is going through hemohydrosis where the sweat glands are turning into blood. Where now he's dripping blood. Can you see our Jesus suffering and he's bleeding. His sweat glands are turning into red of blood dripping as he's suffering in Gethsemane. Uh, but then as we realize that, we realize that he says, Lord, not I will, but your will be done. His will now feels like I don't know if I can carry this, but he said, Lord, not my will, but your will be done. The will of God is sometimes so painful that we want to sound escape it. The will of God sometimes makes us want to move. But I believe that we have to carry our cross because I'm reminded of the martyr, the theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When he said, when God calls a man, he calls him to come and to die. There are some things that has to die in us in order for God to use us. There are some things that we have to fight through and sometimes things have to kill us so we can live again for him. So Jesus now comes and he's being, he's going to be prepared to be crucified. Judas is now, after he prays, this is at the Garden of Gethsemane for him to be arrested. Judas kisses Jesus before he gets arrested. Now, Judas, who is a human, kissed Jesus on the cheek. What I've noticed is that Judas is the one that kissed the door of heaven. Because I realize that when I read John says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. We realize that we cannot get to the Father without going to Jesus. We cannot get to the Father without going to Jesus. So he has to kiss Jesus before he gets betrayed. Now he's arrested. Now as he's arrested, they go and give him lashes. They dip the whips in glass and wood and nails and in glass and stone and rip his flesh and rip the skin and the martyr bone and the carpetone off of his body. His back is bleeding and ripped all over in his body. They're whipping him with 39 lashes, spare one. In Deuteronomy, they, they were doing... Uh, 
attacking and it was only 39 lashes allowed. He's being whipped with 39 lashes. Then they take 72 long thorns. Not only do they press it in his head, but they don't they press and turn in his mind. So as he's breathing, the thorns are going deeper and deeper in his mind. His mind is being crushed with bloody thorns in his mind. Can you see our Jesus with thorns in his head? Then as Jesus is there with thorns in his head, we understand that after that, he's being beaten. He's getting ripped, humiliated. After that, he goes up a hill called Calvary. He comes to Calvary's cross. As he comes to Calvary's cross, we understand that they put a nails in his hands, nail in his feet, and they put, a, they put the crown of thorns on his head. Now, as he's in the middle of Calvary, there are two thieves crucified next to him. One is on his left, one is on his right. As he's there, he's been there for several hours. At the time of him being there. Now he's all alone. The 5,000 that he fed was not there. Lazarus was not there. The people that he healed were not there. The people that he took care of was not. It amazes me how when you're at your lowest moment, no one is there for you. Can you see how Jesus all alone? Can you see how Jesus being laughed at by the Roman government. Can you see how Jesus being laughed at by the Jews? Can you imagine seeing Jesus being laughed at by Pilate? Can you imagine that he's being laughed at by Herod? Everyone is, has abandoned Jesus. When I think of this, I think of what the late Dr. Samuel D. Whit Proctor said about Jesus. In one of his last interviews before he passed away, he was the legendary professor, mentor to Dr. King and Jesse Jackson and several others. And he also was the uh, pastor of the Abyssinian Baptist Church in Harlem, New York. I remember he said something that, that really puzzled my mind when I heard it as I was studying him and, and, and doing some research. He said, I don't think people like Jesus anymore. And when I looked at him, I felt as though when I was watching the interview, I felt as though he was saying things of today. He said, people don't like Jesus anymore. He said, because if we really loved like Jesus loved, he said, our world would look very different. He said, if we loved like Jesus did, he said, our world would be a more peaceful place. When we look at our churches of today. And I want to say something because it's something that's really on my mind. I don't think we love Jesus like we say we do. Because we, we, we'll, we'll sing about Jesus, we'll preach about Jesus only during Holy Week and Christmas holiday. But we won't talk about Jesus for the rest of the year. I believe that God is so is too powerful, too amazing, and too awesome for us to talk about Jesus barely and talk about everything else above him. I believe that Jesus too is too important for us to just talk about what's on the news like like we're doing a current event paper. I believe that Jesus is more important than just us just looking at everything else and putting him on the side. But we must lift up the name of Jesus. I know we love to lift up our ideas. We have to lift up our 
our, you know, our, our, our opinions. We love to lift up our things. But I believe that we need to lift up the name of Jesus. Is there someone here that says, I need the name of Jesus? You see, because we're living in a time where people love everything else, but they don't love Jesus. I was having a conversation with Bishop and I told him, I said, we're living in a time where we love goods, but don't love God. I want to say that again. We're living in a time where we love goods, but don't love God. And I believe that this is the season and the hour and the time where we need to love God. And I don't mean just love him on Sunday and then we go be another religion tomorrow on Monday. But we must love God every single day. I'm not looking for those who have the form of godliness, who love, love Jesus when they feel like it. But I'm looking for the those who are saved, who are blood washed, who are sanctified, who are filled with his precious Holy Ghost, that say, I love the Lord. Do you love him tonight? Do you love the Lord? Don't just love him when it's convenient for you, but do you love Jesus every single day? It doesn't matter whether we're in a pandemic or whether we're in a problem. I love Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what's going on. I love Jesus. I love the Lord. Because he heard my cry and pitied every groan. As long as I, I hasten to his throne. You see, the one thing about me is that I love Jesus no matter what's going on. I love him because he loves me. I don't just love him because he healed me, because he does something for me. I love him because he is good and God all by himself. Man cannot doubt him. People cannot reject him. People can say whatever they want, but I still stick with Jesus. Yes, you may try to give me money, but money did not save me. You may try to give me cars, but cars did not save me. Only Jesus can save you. His name can save you. His name can do the apart. Is there someone that can say, God, I thank you for you. You can just type that in. I love Jesus. I want you to type in. I love Jesus. When people ask you, why are you smiling? I love Jesus. Why do you have strength in your bones? I love Jesus. Why do I feel this? I love the Lord. When we look at the Gospels, we understand that Jesus is the one that's very important. It's not about us. It's about him. When we read the Gospel of John, we have to understand that it's about Jesus. We have to focus on him. When we come to John chapter 2, we understand that after he suffered, now he comes to the resurrection. When we come to the resurrection, we understand that the first person that hears about his resurrection is Mary. He begins to tell Mary. He hears her saying, why are you crying? Why are you weeping? And then he says, she hears him and he says, Mary, she says, Rabboni, that means teacher. When we realize that he said teacher, she realized who Jesus is. We realize, she realized that Jesus is alive. William must understand that Jesus is alive. He says to her, Mary. And then he says, after he said to Mary, he goes and tells him, he says, so tell them that I have risen. When we read this, we understand. And he said to him, he said, do not hold on to me because I have yet ascended to the father. Jesus did not ascend yet, but yet as he was about to ascend, he gives instruction. When we come to John chapter two, he gives instruction. Now, 
He says to her, do not hold on to me because I have not. Go. He said, but go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. He tells them to tell his brothers. Now we realize that Jesus suffered and he died and he bled for us. But now he is risen. That is a beautiful thing. But now he tells Mary, tell them what has happened. He tells us to tell everybody that he is alive. We must take what Jesus has done for us and tell everyone about it. Then as we come to John chapter 19, 19, he says, when he went, the disciples were met and they were locked in for fear. And Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, when he says peace be with you, that gives a relaxation to the disciples. When he says peace be with you, that gives a comfort to them. In the midst of them feeling fear, Jesus gives peace. In the midst of their worry, Jesus gives peace. In the midst of their problem, Jesus gives peace. What we realize is that we need the peace of God to come and to hold us and to keep us. We need the peace of God to be there for us. We don't need to worry about everything else, but we need to put all of our worry in the hands of the Lord. Now, after he said this, he showed them his hand and his side. Now, we know that when he was on the cross, he was pierced in his side. Out came blood, out came water. And then we also know there was nails in his hands. He begins to show them his wounds. He begins to show them the pain that he felt. Jesus, not only did he rise and not only did he resurrect, not only did he move, but we thank God that he showed up when they needed him the most. God will always show up when you need him. And he said, peace be with you. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. You see, we have to type that in, peace be with you. I, know, I want you to type that in, peace be with you. We need the peace of God to be with us. We need the peace of God to help us and to hold us in the midnight hour. We need the peace of God to help us along the way. We need God's peace. Now, when we look at this, when you look at the peace of God, he says something to them. As he says that, he says, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. We need God to breathe on us. We need God to bring us re relaxation. We need God to help us along the way. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he says, if you forgive, and if you do forgive, your sins are forgiven. God has the power to forgive you. We understand when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. God forgives us. But not only does he forgive us, we also have to forgive others. We have to forgive those who's done something against us. We don't need to hold on and be angry and be upset. 
but we have to show love and forgiveness. We have to even show forgiveness to those who are even feel like they don't need you to forgive them. Even those who are mistreated, you are done wrong. We still have to show forgiveness to them. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not just something that makes you want to jump up and down and run like you have ADHD. The Holy Spirit is not something that just makes you speak in tongues and you, and you don't speak English to your neighbor and your friend. The Holy Spirit is not something that just makes you jump, hop, and skip and, and say a bunch of fortune cookie prophets, prophecies that's not really true. The Holy Spirit is more than that. The Holy Spirit is powerful. The Holy Spirit will tell you when to shut up. May I say something to you, please? We need the Holy Ghost for real. Not this cotton candy, bubblegum Holy Ghost that we see in certain churches. We don't need this Holy Ghost that make you say things that's not what God said. The Holy Ghost doesn't just make you jump up, hop, hop, up and down and make you say things that he never said. The Holy Ghost gives wisdom. Because it makes no sense to me how we say we have the Holy Ghost. And yet we are committing suicide in the body of Christ. We can't say we have the Holy Ghost and we don't see deliverance in the body of Christ anymore. We can't say we have the Holy Ghost when we see all these different things going on. We need the Holy Ghost for real. You see, because when I read Acts chapter 1, it says, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes. There is a power mm, that comes with the Holy Ghost. There is a power that comes when the Holy Ghost gets a hold of you. Uh, but then, when we drop down after that, we introduced to a man by the name of Thomas. Thomas is the one that is here. Thomas is the one that is here talking to him. As we look at Thomas, he is here and he's heard the news. It said, Thomas, who was not called, who was called, one of the twelve was not with them when Jesus came. Thomas wasn't there when Jesus appeared to the disciples. Thomas was not there when Jesus said, peace be with you. He was not there and did not see his hands with nails in his hands. He did not see his side that was pierced by the Roman centurion. He did not see that. So as he did not see that, the other disciples said, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them an interesting statement. He said, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger in the mark of nails, and my hand in his side, I will not believe. Jo Thomas had to see this for himself. How many people have we met who have been saying, I need a sign for myself? How many of us have looked around and was trying to see things for ourselves? You see, there's some people who need a sign. That's all right. Because God is so powerful, he can show up and show you things that you've never seen before. 
Huh, you see, I'm glad that God, even though me people, many people may doubt him, many people may try to figure things out, God can still come and make you believe in the nick of time. A week later, John chapter 20, verse 26. A week later, the disciples were again in the house. And Thomas was, although the doors were shut, Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. Now, this is not the first time Jesus had said, peace be with them. But then as he stood among them, the first time he said, peace be with you. And then the second time he said, peace be with you. But now for the third time, he says among them, peace be with you. Peace in your mind, peace in your heart, peace in your soul, peace in your body. We need the peace of the Lord. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. He said, do not doubt, but believe. You see, many people have many doubts. Many people have moments where they feel like their faith is on low. Many people are feeling fear all around them. But I came to tell you that tonight we need to have faith. Yes, we've been feeling some fear in our minds. But God has the power to give us faith to keep our minds regulated. That's why he's a mind regulator. And then I realized that, yes, I was overthinking, but God gave me the power to still have faith in the midst of my fear. Yes, my heart was racing, but he knows how to touch my heart and be a heart fixer. You see, I'm glad on tonight that we have a savior who comes and lifts us up out of our problems. Yes, I had some doubt in my mind. Yes, I had some fear in my heart. But when I saw Jesus come and touch my life, I began to feel much better. Is there anybody here that can thank God for him being in your life? Yes, I may have had some worry, but when I'm worrying, I still begin to worship. I begin to lift up my hands and say, Father, I stretch my hands to thee. No other help I know. If thou withdraw thyself from thee, wherever shall I go? You see, I'm glad tonight. That yes, I had some fear, but when he called me by my name, I understood that I had to stand still. And he said, put your hand where my hands are. And I noticed that his hands were bruised for me. And I noticed that they pierced them in his side. You see, the scripture that goes with it said, but he was wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquity, the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed you see but then when i look down at the next verse when thomas answered him he said my lord and my god you see i'm glad that he is my lord 
I'm glad that he is my savior. You see, I'm glad that he's bread when I'm hungry. I'm glad he's water when I'm thirsty. He is the one that I can call on. You see, I have a name that is above every name. And that name is Jesus. Is there anybody here that can thank God for his name? Because his name is so powerful. His name can bring healing. His name can bring deliverance. His name can bring victory. His name can do the impossible. His name can do so much. Is there someone here tonight that can thank God for his name? Yes, I may have came with some doubt, but now I have a determination that he is the one that can do the impossible for me. I'm so glad on tonight that Jesus went to a place called Calvary. And as he went to a place called Calvary, he died for you and for me. He died until the sun refused to shine. He died until he said it was finished. And then after they died on that cross, the centurion looked at him and said, truly, this was the son of God. And after that, they put him in Joseph's new tomb and he stayed there all day Friday. He stayed there all day Saturday. But I'm so glad that early Sunday morning, he got up with all power in his hands. I'm glad that he got up because you can get up. I'm so glad that as he got up, there was power that got up. There was strength that got up. There was victory that got up. And saying, I want you to know that God has the power to heal you. God has the power to turn things around. God has the power to make things better. Is there a witness huh, here tonight? Lord, have mercy. That can say, God, I thank you for being so good to me. Uh, you see, when, my, when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul, my, 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 my soul cries out, hallelujah. Is there a hallelujah on tonight? Is there a thank you, Jesus, on tonight? Is there a praise him on tonight? Is there a thank you, Lord, on tonight? I thank him and praise him. You see, I'm so glad that I don't have to worry about anything, but I can lift my hands and worship him. I worship him because I know he can do it. I praise him because I know he can do it. I thank God for what he's done for me. He's made a way out of no way. He's done things for me that no one else can do. So I have a testimony. What is your testimony? He woke me up this morning. <laughs> he started me on my way. He's gave me food on my table. He's gave me shoes on my feet. <laughs> so I know that God is able. Is there someone here that knows that God is able? Is there someone here that knows that no matter what's going on with the world, we, we, we serve the God. Who controls the world. Uh, we serve a God who takes time and puts time in his hands. That's why the song says he's got the whole world mm, in his hands. He's got you in my hand. He got you in his hand. We got, we, we got all of us in his hands. And I'm so glad that we serve a God who can do the impossible for us. We serve a God who loves us. We serve a God. Who does the everything for I can crack about Jesus all day long, all night long. Why? Because he's good all by him. Don't you know? Good God Almighty. That God is good. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. I hope this is blessing someone. Please understand 
that God gave his life for you. And how do you show appreciation? You give to him. Let us take a moment and give right now. There are many ways to give. There are many ways to give. There are many ways to give. Please let us show how good good God is by us showing good gifts to him. There are many ways to give. Text GLOBAL to 51400. PayPal.me slash Global Fire Now. Cash App dollar sign Global Fire Now. Alzel Global Fire Now at gmail.com. There are many ways to give. I will not want to rob an body of an opportunity to give. But let's take this moment to sow into his kingdom. I believe that this is the moment, this is the time that we must worship him, not only with our mouths, with our lives, but with our giving. Amen. I want to take a moment. Thank you. God bless you, mother. God bless you, pastor. God bless you, bishop, for joining. Thank you for joining. Thank you so much. Definitely so much. So I hope this blesses somebody. Amen. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. Well, friends, I'm going to bid you farewell and take my seat and say goodbye and azidazane to you. Lord, we thank you for every single gift. We thank you for every single person that has joined. Lord, we know that you are you are our peace. You are our love. You are our strength that surpasses all understanding. You are the one that keeps on giving. You are the one that opens doors for us. You are the one that does the impossible. Lord, we thank you for everything you're doing, everything you're about to do, everything you continue to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. 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 I want everyone to be blessed. Be blessed. Be blessed. Please be blessed. Understand that God loves you. Global is who we are. Fire is what we bring and ministry is what we do. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Have a wonderful night.